in our teaching series this fall has been called Rooted and um, this idea of, of us being people that, that live deeply in, in a hurried world that we find ourselves in. Have you ever noticed how, how we can just constantly be going from one thing to the next? And I don't know if you're like this, but I'm, I'm like this. So often I miss what's going on in the moment because I'm thinking about what's on my next calendar. And so what happens is that we, we just, we're constantly missing out on life. That, that the busyness and, and, and the craziness of life and, and the enemy, man, they frustrate us and they confuse us and they're constantly trying to, to just throw us off and to, to get us to cash in on what God has called us to do in our short years that God's given us in this life. And so as a church family, we're going, man, we, we don't just want to, to have life happen to us. We wanna be people that are rooted in God and that, and that when things come our way, it doesn't shake us and it doesn't move us and it doesn't throw us off, but that we are people who are growing up into the fullness of Jesus, living out this mission that God has given to us. And so as a church family, every week, we're gonna look at just one different characteristic. And so last week, we looked at, at this idea from Psalm chapter one about being people who are rooted in the scripture people who delight in the word of God. And, and I want you to think about this. If you were here with us last week, did, did you notice any difference this week in your engagement with the scripture? And, and think about that, that, you know, I, I, if, if you didn't, that's okay, right? But for those of you who did, you go, man, no, actually, you know what? I did find a, a delight in the scriptures this week. Hey, that's, that's a big deal and celebrate that, right? I got a text from a guy, Devin, he's not here this morning. Um, but he texted me this week and, and he said, hey, last Sunday when we were like taking communion, I asked God, God, would you help me not to read the Bible as a chore this week? Help me to delight in the scripture. And he sends me a text. He's like, man, I've been reading this week. And for some reason, I, I've read this passage a hundred times and it's just coming alive to me like I've never read it before. And then I go, man, it's, he, he asked God and God answered. And so if you come in this morning, you go, man, that, that I haven't fallen in love with the scriptures yet. Hey, keep asking God and keep at it, right? That, that so often a, 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 an oak tree, right? It doesn't develop overnight. That, that the strength that comes from you walking with God and you knowing God's voice is a lifetime, Sarah, of cultivating just this hunger for God's word. And so last week we looked at the, 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 this place of scripture that it plays in our life. And this morning, we're gonna be talking about what it looks like to have a, a, a vision of God. Or, or to put it another way, to, to personally encounter the living God and how that plays a role in, in rooting us and anchoring us in God. I wonder if, if in order for us, I don't know if this is true, but my guess is it is, that in order, us, in order for us to be people that, that live lives completely for the glory of God and for the good of others, my guess is that having a, an encounter with God and encountering God over and over and over again is at the core of all this. That if you want your life to be of use in the kingdom for the glory of God and the good of others, that, that at the core of this is encountering God, is having a relationship with God, is understanding who God is. And so I love the story that, that we're gonna be in this morning. I wanna kind of put it in context and then put it in our context. And so uh, let's read the first four verses. Um, Isaiah chapter six, this is the word of the Lord. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord. He was high and exalted, seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. Two, they were flying and they were calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Sounds like a sci-fi film, right? Like what, what is this, right? Have, have any of you experienced this before? Right, that there's so much about even these verses that feel so foreign to us. 
right? And, and, and there's something about it. Sometimes you, you read something that doesn't immediately strike you. You know, it doesn't immediately take home. And so what we're tempted to do is just to kind of blow past it. And, and yet I sense that God's really trying to work through this to communicate something deep to us this morning. It says that, that Isaiah, he's, he's in the temple, which was the place of worship of his day, his church. And it was in church that, that he encountered God, right? That's the, the last place some of you expect to encounter God, right? That you didn't expect to come in here this morning actually to encounter God. Well, he shows up at church and he has this experience with the living God. And it starts to describe what he sees. He says that, that the train of the robe that God was wearing filled the temple. And so the temple was this massive structure. 180 feet wide, uh, 180 feet long, 90 feet wide, 50 feet tall. It's this, this, this momentous structure. And it says that, that the train of the robe filled the temple. Now think about that. How big is the person that their robe fills a structure like that? Right? And so it's, it's, it's evoking this, this bigness that Isaiah gets the glimpse of the bigness of who God is. It describes these seraphim. And in the Hebrew, it literally just means, you know, uh, servants that are on fire. Right? And so he gets a glimpse of these angels that, that are, are flaming and, and it says that they have six wings. And we read that and we're like, that's so weird, you know, like six wings and two of them, they're covering their faces. And I think that's significant because faces are, are used to recognize, right? Like I see Christy's face and I recognize that, that it's Christy, right? That, that there's something about our faces that, that set us apart. And I love that, that these angels are covering their faces because if they're wanting Isaiah to understand is we don't matter, that the only one that you need to fix your eyes upon is the one that we're looking at. They have six wings. And the, the, the idea here is that these creatures can go anywhere in the world, right? Where would you go if you could go anywhere in the world? Tahiti, you going to Hawaii, you going to the mountains. They're in the presence of God. Anywhere that they could go, they choose to be in God's presence. It says that, that they're declaring to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And in the Hebrew, um, repetition was used as, as a way to, to, to show that something is pure, that something is, is great, that something is honestly the, the superlative. And so you see this in the Old Testament that, that when people are trying to describe something, so often they would, they would do what they do in 2 Chronicles, 2 Kings chapter uh, 25, verse 15, where it's talking about the, the gold that was used with the utensils that were in the temple. And it describes, and if you read your Bible, it's gonna say they're made of pure gold. But if you go back and you read the Old Testament, what it says in the Hebrews is gold, gold. And it's, it's like you walk into someone's house, right? And you're like, man, this house is clean. But you walk into someone's house, you're like, no, this house is like clean, clean, right? Like they're a little bit like OCD clean. Like there's, uh, I feel uncomfortable stepping foot in here. And, and it's just this way to describe pureness. And, and all throughout the Old Testament that you see um, things or people being described in this way, that, that repetition, uh, trying to create pureness, trying to create this, this separation. And, but, but nowhere in the scriptures is, is it used three times. That that the angels are trying to say, holy, 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 that, that God deserves three, that God's in the category of, of God's self, that, that nothing compares to God, that he's so much greater, that he's so different, that he is, he is so different than you and I. And Isaiah would have picked up on this. We read this and we miss it, but he's pointing to this, that there is something different about God. God's different than you, he's different than me. Think about it like this. Um, any of you guys remember Usain Bolt? Watch the Olympics, three of you, four of you. Raise your hands. There we go. Okay, thank you. And you can participate here. That was rude, sorry. I didn't like how I said that. That was too aggressive. <laughs> Forgive me. Please raise your hands. Um, Usain Bolt, you know, you, you'd watch him run the Olympics 
And it was like he had a gear that no one else had, right? It's that th- there was something just about him, like God made him differently. And, and Isaiah is going, man, do, do you see that Isaiah, God's different than you? It says the whole earth is full of his glory. This word glory, it means significance. It means weight. He's, the, the, the opposite of glory is emptiness, is nothing. And, and he says the, the, these angels are, are, are declaring to one another, the whole earth is full of, of, of God, the significance of God, the goodness of God, the handprint of God, the involvement of God, the whole earth. And, and it says that at the sound of their voices, the temple shook and filled with smoke. Right, this is, you, you think about this. You're, you're hanging out at your, your Airbnb that you're, you're doing up in the mountains or whatever it is that you're doing and it starts to shake and fill up with smoke, right? That's not a good sign, right? It's, it's pretty terrifying and we miss that. But think about if, if Marathon starts to shake right now, we're going, well, let's get out of here. It's terrifying, this whole picture. Verse five, So what Isaiah says, woe to me, I'm ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And so Isaiah is a prophet. In his day, he's someone that, that saw from God and he heard from God. He's, he's, he's this religious man. He's in the temple. He's doing what, what you're supposed to do. He's this powerful man. He comes from this family of influence, this family of affluence. He was a respected man. He was an orator. Right? In our culture, people who are, are good with the words, right? You, you pay a lot of money to listen to them, right? You go listen to a hilarious comedian. You, you go listen to your favorite TED Talk person that comes to town, that, that we are, we're in awe of people that are, are good with their words. And, and this was Isaiah in his day. So he's, he's respected religiously. He's respected culturally, that he is just this man of esteemed. And yet he, and when he sees God, this is what he says, I'm dead. Isaiah thought he was a good guy. Isaiah thought he was God's guy until he came into God's presence and he saw himself for who he actually was. He realized that that as much as he thought he was different, he was like everyone else in culture. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among people of unclean lips. I go, how many of us come here this morning? And if if we're being honest, we go, man, we kind of think that we've got it together as Christians. Right, that, that you've got the mark, that you've got the wisdom, that you've got it figured out. You're kind of crushing it. And, 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 and yet there's this moment where he comes face to face in the presence of God and he goes, I'm like everyone else. Tim Keller says this, that up until this point in Isaiah's life, God was simply a concept. God wasn't a reality. That up until this point in his life that God fit into this kind of neat and, and nice place in his life, kind of like a, uh, like a book that he'd pull off the shelf and, and Sunday mornings would be God time. And, 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 you know, maybe in the morning he'd get up and have some, some God time, and, but, but then he'd shut that book and put it back up on the shelf. And, and then it was back to, to living however he wanted to live, right? And, and, and God was a part of his life. And what he sees is that God is too big to be contained to to a part of our life or a realm of our life that the God who actually is in heaven is overwhelming. And when you really encounter this God, you realize he doesn't deserve a part of your life or a piece of your life or a little part of your day that this God consumes your life from inside out. Your thoughts, your time, your energy, your heart, your affection, that this God consumes every part of you, not just a part of you. Last summer, I 
got to build a treehouse with my dad. I grew up on a farm and, and my dad just has this ability to, to you know, fix things and make things and build things. And I didn't inherit that from him. My brother did. And so I'm a little bitter about that, but mostly my brother made the choice to just be with my dad and learn and I didn't. And so um, it's kind of on me. But, but I remember last summer when we were building this treehouse, wanted to build this treehouse for our kids. And so I called up my dad and I'm like, hey dad, um, will you come to town? And you know, I wanna build this. And he's like, absolutely. And so we get there and you know, I think about my dad. My dad has built, he's built all kinds of structures. He's built barns, he's built sheds, he's built, he built the treehouse that we had as kids growing up. And I didn't realize that. I'm like, you know, talking to him about our tree. I'm like, our treehouse was great. He's like, I built that. I'm like, really? I thought you bought that. And he's like insulted. No, I built that for you. Like, and, 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 and he, he knows what he's doing. Like he, he knows how to build, he knows how to make things. And so my dad shows up and, and I wasn't about to tell my dad, hey, I've got this. Like, you, you just come along in my life and be my assistant. Like, when I need, when I need a hammer, I'll, I'll ask you to bring it to me. No, like, my dad shows up, and it was just very clear. Hey, you're, in tr- you're running the show today, Dad. Like, you tell me what I need to do. Like, you know, I, you know he's pulling out tools I didn't even know existed to build this tree house. And I'm like, if, if you put me in charge of building this thing, it's not gonna stand, right? And, and, and I understood I understood who was in charge. I understood who had the knowledge. I understood who needed to be the one calling the shots. And Isaiah kind of has this moment with God where he realizes up until this point in his life, God was a concept, God was a part of his life. God was his assistant. And then something changed. Verse six and seven. One of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal which he had taken with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has taken away and your sin is atoned for. And so in the Old Testament, the altar was a place where, where atonement, where, where forgiveness happened, that, that you would bring an animal to the altar and it would be sacrificed on your behalf. And that was the, the, the way that you continued to, to get to serve in, as one of God's people, the way that you can incl- continue to be included in the community. Thank goodness that is not the way things still exist today. Isaiah has this encounter with God and he realizes two things. That God is better than he ever could have imagined. And he realizes that he's not as good as he thought. In the presence of God, he realizes that God is better than he could have imagined. He's not as good as he thought he was. You ever had one of those moments in life where you realize that, that you're not as great as you thought or as your mom told you that you were? Way too many, Todd, right? You, 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 you're in high school. You know, you're the student that, that just crushes all the classes. You know, you come in with 30 hours. You make this, you know, 32 on your ACT. You're just, you're beyond brilliant. You're the valedictorian. You are the, the person that everyone in your school comes to for answers. And then you're at Vanderbilt, right? <laughs> or, or then you come to college and, 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 you, and you sit in class with, other people and you realize, oh my goodness, I'm no longer the smartest person in the room. Or, or maybe you did that with music or with a sport or, or with, a, with a gift and playing an instrument that, that you come to Nashville and you realize, oh, I'm not as great as my grandmother told me I was. And it's, and it's this moment where you see, or, or have you ever felt this on a, on a deeper level, right? Where, where, you're, you're, where who you actually are is on display for others to see. You ever had a moment where, where people got to see the worst version of you and you realize I'm not as great as I thought I was? 
I remember when I was in eighth grade, I played football. I know, hard to imagine. I played football. And I, I, get, um, I remember that there was this um, coach that we had. And he wasn't like all the other coaches. That all the other coaches had played football and were, you know, they knew what they were talking about. They were just... They're just likable. They're were, they were good coaches. And, and there's this coach, and, and he just, he tried really hard. Like he, he just wanted, he had a love for the game. He had a love for this. He had a love for us, but, but he just didn't like have the same kind of like knowledge of the game. And, and I remember just being this punk eighth grader and just making fun of him behind his back. I know you guys have never done anything like that before. And so um, bring on the judgment. Um, but I remember um, just talking about him behind his back, making fun of him. And he got word of it. So we're sitting on the bus. We're about to go to a, an away football game. And he walks on the bus and he says, hey, Brandon, I heard that you've been doing some impersonations of me. And I'm like, no. He's like, yep, you have. He's like, hey, I want you to get off the bus and to show me. And I'm like, no way. He's like, you're getting off this bus. So I get off the bus and I go outside and, and I remember standing in front of him, looking him in the face, the guy that I've been making fun of and doing the impersonations that I'd done. And I'm like, God, I'm the worst human being on the face of the planet. You ever had one of those moments where you just realize like, I'm a terrible person. And Isaiah has this moment as good of a man as he was, as religious of a man as he was, as respected as a man as he was, he sees himself in the presence of God and he goes, I'm dead. But he also has this moment where he understands that, that God is better than he could have imagined. Right, he's, he's freaking out in the presence of God because God is holy and God is big and there are these flaming serpents flying around him. He's, he's terrified for, for good reason, but what it exposes is that he doesn't know the fullness of God. He knows the bigness and he knows the power and he knows the, the justice of God. He hasn't met the grace of God yet. And so in this moment where he's terrified because he sees who he actually is, what does God do? God comes near and he touches the very thing that Isaiah knew was wrong with him. I'm a man of unclean lips. I go, what, 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 is, it, what is it that you would come into? As God, if God were to show up here right now, and you had this exact same moment. What, what is the thing that you would say? I'm a, I'm a person of unclean thoughts. I mean, I'm a person that, that, that judges everyone. Or I am so greedy. Or, or I'm so bitter. Or I'm so full of hate. What would come out in, in the presence of God? And, and here's what you need to know, that, that God exposes this Isaiah only because he wants to heal it. Only because he wants to heal it. And Isaiah experiences the forgiveness of God. That God's so well aware of what he's done. And God is so quick. God wants so badly to touch him, to forgive him, to atone for sin. I love verse eight and nine. It says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And he said, here I am, send me. And this is beautiful. Before Isaiah even knows the assignment, he says, I'm up for it. And you go on and you, and you read the, the assignment that God gives him is Isaiah, you're gonna spend the rest of your life 
speaking a message that no one's gonna listen to. It'd be like me saying to you, hey, um, Kimberly, you're gonna get a job working in sales and you know, for the next 40 years, you're never gonna make a sale. It's like, who's signing up for that job? And what you discover is that Isaiah signs up for that job. That he never gets the benefit of seeing anyone come alive in God. That his message falls on deaf ears over and over and over again. I go, man, what makes a person sign up for something like that? Right, all of us, we go, man, God, use us to, to change people. Use us to awaken the city. Use us to, to do all these things. What if God said, the way I wanna use you, Kimberlyn, is just as a faithful servant who speaks my word, but no one for the rest of, of life, of your life is gonna listen to you. But the people after you will. What makes a person do that? An encounter with the Lord. When you see God for who God actually is. When you understand that God is big and God is most certainly holy, but God delights in you. That you begin to, to go, God, when, when, when you see God for who God is, you, you rather do the work that God has for you and God be on your side than for you to try to spend your life doing what you want and God not be on your side. Let's pull this into our context. If I'm being honest, I don't know what to do sometimes with scriptures like this. I've never had this experience. Maybe you have. You know, maybe Amy, this is your regularly Monday morning devotional that, that you see the Lord in the temple filling, you know, the, 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 the temple. And, and, I don't, and, and I don't know what to do with these sometimes. I go, man, are, are, is every Christian supposed to experience this? If so, how, right? Have you ever felt that where you read the Bible and you go, man, that's not been my experience? You feel like a lesser Christian, you go, man, what do you, what do, you do with this? And, and I believe that, that so many of us, we believe that God would never draw near to us like this. Here's where it comes real. That, that, that some of us, man, we, we believe that, that God has things like this for some of his children, but not for all of them. I wonder how many of us, man, we, we view God like God isn't like an angry stepfather. That, that loves his biological children, that, that gives them gifts, that wants to spend time with them, but, but you're the stepchild who wants nothing to do with you. Like you're Cinderella. And we might not say it, but how many of us feel that? Man, we, we feel like that, that there are other people that just have this access to God, that see things and hear things. And God, man, God doesn't want that for me. Do any of you feel that this morning? That you feel like God's playing favorites, that, that God loves some, but not all, that, that God has this for some, but not all of us. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever sensed that in your life? That man, that, that, that God must not love me like he loves them. When I became a father, God began to help me understand this. I love all my kids. I want relationship with all of my kids for the rest of my life. You know, the reality is that I have three kids, um, daughter, son, daughter, my son, um, he likes all the things that I like. Uh, Jones just does. He, he loves to be outside. He loves to work in the yard. He loves to play any kind of ball. Like anytime I'm running an errand, I ask my kids, hey, you wanna go with me? He's always the kid that wants to go. Doesn't matter what we're doing, he wants to help. And, and, and I say that because I go, with Jones, it's so easy to connect. Most mornings he wakes up and says, dad, can I go to work with you? 
It's easy to connect with him. But I don't just want relationship with Jones. Right? That, that, that it's not like, hey, if, if my kids are going to have a relationship with me, then they have to like all the things that I like. No, it's easier to have a relationship with Jones. And the reality is that, that it's easier for God to have some relationship with some of you because some of you just seek his face all the time. Right, and it's not that you're better or different, but the reality is that you've come to understand that in this life, God is who you want. And so right now, the, your life is being blessed because you sought your eyes on the King and He's rewarding you. He's given you the desires of your heart. Right, and so others of you, you go, man, is God playing favorites? No, He's not playing favorites, but people around you have learned to delight in God. And that is true for all of you. That's something on the table for all of you. But here's what you need to know. Finley and Merritt, my girls, they don't always love to go to the dump with me, right? And, 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 and they don't always love to go recycle things. They don't always wanna go to Lowe's. They don't wanna be out in the yard, you know. But because I want relationship with them, I work really hard to come into their life. There was a season about, you know, longer season than I wanted it to be, a couple years where Finley, every day I'd get home from work and she'd say, Dad, can we play Beauty and the Beast? And I'm like, yes. Yes, we can play Beauty and the Beast. I didn't want to play Beauty and the Beast, but I want a relationship with her. So she's standing up on our steps outside, pretending to be Belle. I don't even get to be Beast. I'm Gaston, right? Like <laughs> coming in and she, she just loved to slam the door in my face and, you know, pretend. And, 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 and I realized, oh man, that I want relationship with her. I have to, I have to meet her where she is. Sam, love that. <laughs> or Merritt. Merritt is, it loves to read right now. She's two and a half. So I don't know if you know that. You can't read at two and a half. And so we'll open a book and she'll say, I got this one, dad. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you got this one, right? And, 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 and she'll sit there and she'll read me books. And I'm going, do I, do I love doing that? Like I love working in the yard? No, but I love her. It's what she wants to do. And you need to understand that, that, that God wants relationship with all of you. And I believe that some of you this morning, God's going, man, hey, hey, I want you. And he's coming to you and he's meeting you where you are, right where you are and saying, I want life with you. I believe though that, that there are some things that are, are distracting us from experiencing this God from encountering this God. And there are two, I'm gonna call them blindfolds. That, uh, Paul talks about that the God of this age has blinded our, the minds of unbelievers so they can't see God. But I also believe that, that we put on these blindfolds that keep us from experiencing God. And I'll talk to these quickly, that, that we have a distorted view of ourselves, or we have a distorted view of God. That, that so often what keeps us from experiencing, encountering God the way that we want to encounter him is that we have a distorted view of self or we have a distorted view of God. And so let's talk through self real quickly. Um, and some of you, 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 you think too high of yourself. And I say that just with the most like humbly I can, but you look at your life and you go, I don't need God. That your salvation comes all from your works and you're a good citizen and, and you're a good spouse and you're a good friend and, and you look at your life, but, but the thing that's missing is Christ. You have no need for Christ. You think too highly of yourself. You look at your life and you go, I've got it. I've got it emotionally, I've got it financially, I've got it relationally. 
Some of you, the, the thing that's keeping you from experiencing God, you think too highly of yourself. Some of you, you think too low of yourself. You go, man, I'm a failure. And you walk around going, no one cares about me? That this world would be better if I was not here? That you actually believe this. You have too low of a view of yourself. Some of you, man, you have a distorted view of yourself. Some of you have a distorted view of God. Some of you, you think God is too high for you to know this way. You believe that God runs the universe, but you don't believe that he cares about you. You're one of 8 billion employees in God's company. And as long as you just do your work, you show up every day, you'll get rewarded. You don't think you have too high, you, 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 you don't have too high view of a God. You think God is too high for you to know. Others of you, you think of God too low. You, you think God is there to serve you. And so when, when life doesn't turn out the way that you want, you get angry, you get frustrated, you turn on God, you disregard God because he hasn't met you, he hasn't served you. And, and I go, man, what, what I think God is getting at is for us to be people who, who, who let him remove the veil, take off the blindfold. And no matter where you are, Jesus is, is the, the one who takes off the blindfold. So if you think too highly of yourself, the answer is Jesus, right? That the solution isn't to, 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 to start thinking less of yourself. No, it's to look at Jesus, to really look at his life, to quit thinking about you, to quit thinking about how great you are, how wonderful, how, how, self, you know, how independent you are. Look at Christ. Look at the words that he says, study his life like you study things that matter to you. I remember growing up every day before school, I would watch an hour of Sports Center. Every 30 minutes, it'd be the same episode and I would watch it twice, every morning before school. Why? Because it mattered to me. And I go, some of you, man, you, you, you come here, you think too highly of yourself and the solution isn't that, 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 that God's just gonna microwave it for you. It's gonna be you going, man, I, I actually know that something's broken in me. And for you to study scripture the same way that you study your stock market, or the way you study sports scores or study high school recruiting, whatever it is that you're into. For those that, that think too low of yourself, look at Jesus. He died for you. And you go, no, he, he died for someone else. No, he died for you, Justin. You know, some of you, for those of you that, 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 that think God is too high for you, Look at Jesus. You think that he never wants a relationship with you? Look at the way that he came to earth, the way that he lived among real people with real problems. He came into their lives. He saw them. He called them by name. This is God. For those that have a, a pretty low view of God, look at Jesus. Scriptures tell us that, that all things were created for him. That God's not your assistant. That God doesn't exist to serve you. You're there to serve him. And the solution for us is to look well at Christ. We owe it to ourselves to think about Christ, to meditate on Christ, to read about Christ, to love Christ, to, to take word, to take to heart his words. Because his whole coming, his whole life was, was that we needed to be saved that we couldn't forgive ourselves, that we couldn't change ourselves, that, that we needed to be changed from the inside out and only he can do that. 
And only when you look well at Christ, only when you look hard at Christ, at his life, and you think about him, and you grow to love him, only then will you be a person that says, God, whatever you want, I'll do it. Right? And so the, 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 the homework for this week, we throw up this slide. Okay, let me throw up that slide for me. We're actually going to practice this right now, but I want to encourage you to, to try this this week. To take five to 10 minutes every day this week. And I encourage you just to sit in silence. And I want you to ask these questions of God. Take a picture with your phone, write these down. God, what do you want me to know about you and or me? And then is there something that you have for me to do this week? And just listen. Right, that, that, that so many of us, that we believe that, that, that God's not gonna speak to us. That God doesn't have anything to say to you. That God doesn't have any work for you to do. And I go, man, the way that, that, that we step into that is by giving God space to speak. And so we're actually gonna do this, this right now. I wanna invite you, keep your phones out, right? You don't hear that in church very often. Keep your phones out. And I want you to take, I want you to take a minute. Close your eyes and just ask God these questions and just listen. If you have a journal, if you have something uh, you wanna write with on your phone, ask God, God, what do you want me to know about you and or me? And do you have anything for me to do this week? And just listen, pay attention to the, to the things that, that God speaks to you. Pay attention to the, the, the things that come to your mind. It might be a passage of scripture. It might be a kind word. It might be a picture. Write those things down because then what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a minute and we're gonna share with people around us. Okay? And some of you, this is really uncomfortable and that's okay. Because I believe that, that God is wanting for you to encounter him. Not just once, over and over and over again. And the only way that you come alive in God, the only way that you're a person that's rooted in God is when you actually start encountering him. And so we're just creating a place this morning for us to encounter God in a real way. So I invite you to close your eyes. I'm just gonna pray for a minute and then I want you to listen. Write down what God says. And so God, you know, I, I just pray that if anything I said this morning was not from, from you, that it would be forgotten. And if there were words from you that were spoken, that they would resonate deep in our souls. Yeah. Father, you know us. You know what we need. God, just like in Isaiah, when he saw himself in, in your presence, um, he encountered you, the real living God. And, and you're better than he thought. And so many of us come this morning, we just have a, a concept of you. We, we have a, a blinders on, we have a blindfold on that keeps us from seeing you. And I just ask that, would you speak? And so God, as we listen, even people who in this room, they don't believe that you speak, would you speak in a way that they can hear you? Would you show them that, that you know, you're like, you're going to them. You're, you know, the way I go to Finley and Merritt to, to engage them, God, would you engage every person here? Would you give them confidence that, that you see them? So would you speak in a way that each of us can hear? God, don't let one person this morning um, go from out hearing you. We all want you, God. We want you, we want the best of you, we want your heart, and so would you speak this morning? And so God, questions we wanna ask you, what, what do you want me to know about you and or me? Is there something that you have for me to do this week?
Okay, I want to invite you just, if there's someone that you came here this morning that you feel comfortable talking with, just take a minute and share and it might just not make any sense to you or it might feel bad. I want to just say that if you heard like, hey, you're a terrible person, that, that you're rotten, you don't belong, that's not God speaking to you. Um, but if you heard a word that kind of feels too good to be true, that's it, probably God speaking. If you felt something that, I mean, you heard something, you saw something, you're like, man, that, I wish that was true. It's probably God speaking to you. So let's take the next minute or two and, and just share, hey, what did God say to you? What did you see? What did you hear? Don't overthink it. As you were praying, as you were, were looking at the things that were coming through your head, as you heard things, what did you share? So let's take a minute or two, share with the people around us, and then I'll get up in a minute and send us to communion.